Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Weekly Ounce, a podcast where high school students explore topics in STEM. I am Stefano, and with me today are... Hi, I'm Lovin. Hi, I'm Reggie. And I'm Raul. On today's show, we'll be discussing big data and mass surveillance. Will this kill us? Let's find out. So fellas, we live in a society. Specifically, we are constantly being monitored and recorded by the government, most notably in the Patriot Act. Any thoughts on this, guys? See, I wouldn't want to go down the route of having some big brother constantly watching over us. Of course, we have to have some kind of... um, you know, some kind of surveillance to know when bad things are happening and try our best to prevent them. I believe the NSA has reported in the past five years, uh, 13 successful terrorist um, preventions, terrorist attack preventions as a result of using, uh, you know, government surveillance. But at the same time, is it really so important that we should also be using it on the American people who really you know, for the most part, probably don't have anything to hide, but it's just this constant eerie feeling of having someone watching over you so frequently. Well, I mean, the main thing isn't so much why they're surveilling it, because, of course, if you just listen to the why, all everything that the NSA and all these other government agencies have done is very much justified, especially after immediately after 9-11. The problem is how, I guess, they're doing it, because... To my understanding, you need a warrant to actually search someone. And of course, if they're just searching everyone without most of us knowing, what warrant is there? There hasn't been a court that has told them, oh yeah, you can search 330 million Americans. But again, the problem is, what do you, do you, do you, do you keep the safety of the general populace in mind or do you keep the freedoms of the general populace in mind? So I think the issue kind of um, rests on the interpretation of the Fourth Amendment, uh, the no uh, search or seizure thing without a warrant kind of doesn't really specify, you know, it has to be concrete physical objects or it can also um, be translated over into the, uh, the digital realm. Because, you know, 17, uh, in, the, in the 1700s, late 1700s, whenever they were making the Bill of Rights with all the amendments, they really didn't know that technology would take the turn that it has today. And so there is no, you know, usually with some laws, part of the justification for uh, why uh, those in legislation try to make these laws, they say, oh, it's because the founding fathers would have intended it. But now there really isn't much of a justification based on that premise because there is no way to know whether they would have intended that to cover digital items or not. So the, the issue really does rest in how we should uh, interpret the Fourth Amendment. Should digital property be property that should be uh, that you should have a warrant to uh, search, or is digital property not property? And is it just a misnomer to have property uh, be used in that sense? I, I feel like digital, like anything that goes on in the digital realm, it's like really hard to consider as property. Like for example, making a Google search, like on, I don't know, PBS Kids. Is that really your property? Is that like, do you own 
uh, what you like. I guess it's like it's your own initiative of searching it up. But like, is is what you searched up property in a sense? That was really rep- repetitive, but uh, like that's what I think. I guess the way you could look at it, it's not so much property, but it's more like what you do. Because in the in that case, it would be more like stocking. So it's more of like a privacy, um, like if, instead of instead of property, we should I think we should move over to like privacy. Because there's a difference between intellectual property, which is like a patent or whatever, which I mean, yes, that's understandable. Like that is theft if someone does take that from you. But just sort of like what you do, your day to day, then yes, that would be something under privacy. So is, is, let's say, is privacy a right given by the constitution? It's true. That's exactly where the issue lies. The Constitution says nothing about privacy in the Fourth Amendment, which is usually what is alluded to to um, provide the right to privacy and all that. There's the fourth is the one known reasonable search and seizure, right? Right. Is yeah. that different from quartering? That's third. And so, but yeah, that's actually a fair point. I that's why, like, quartering is also sometimes cited as a right to privacy, as well as the, I believe, the Ninth or the Tenth Amendment, where it's other, there are other rights not explicitly stated here, which are left to the states. Right. That's the problem. So privacy is never explicitly stated, but it is very much heavily implied in the first co- in the Bill of Rights. So, if it is implied, then that means the states have absolutely no business dealing with privacy, which means the federal government can do effectively whatever it wants with privacy. But again, it's not explicit. So, does the NSA really have any business? using cameras, recording, and then otherwise trying to check up on us every now and then. Yeah. I, see, I think maybe the quartering act that you mentioned that I had actually never taken into consideration before, maybe that would apply to surveillance within your own home and within your own... Um, private area. Pri- yeah, private area and private digital property that you are using, like say your own computer that you purchased, your own cell phone that you purchased. But say you're using a public network with public computers, then maybe, uh, maybe the argument could be made that the Quartering Act uh, in the scope of privacy doesn't apply there because... I mean, I'm, I, I know, like, I mean, we know that that isn't true. Like, the NSA, they had, like, logs on, like, when you called someone, who you called, where you were when you called someone, how long the conversation lasted for. So, um, like, the whole thing with Sweden when he revealed that, um, like, there's a huge outcry because of that. So... I'm, I'm pretty sure even if we were to consider the third uh, amendment in that um, perspective, it wouldn't apply to what the NSA was doing. Yeah, I don't think, honestly, the problem is privacy. I think it's more these people that are looking after us that they start exploiting their, their use of looking after us. I think that's where it starts kind of being questioned if this is all a really good idea. But I guess then there is the other side. Like it is at the end of the day, all in the name of safety, supposedly to prevent another attack such as 9/11. And I mean, to their credit, there hasn't exactly been another 9/11 since 9/11. So again, at this point, I guess it's a bit more up to the people. And I think you guys are people. What do you personally? I guess, would you, do you, do you mind the government spy on you knowing who you call, when you call them or no? I mean, for sure there are benefits like 
for example, like the terrorists, um, they could keep eyes on them. And it could also uh, deter future criminals and crime. As like, if we have uh, cameras everywhere, um, they know they might get caught eventually. But obviously there's also negative, uh, negative, um, negative, uh, negative or cons, yeah, cons to uh, surveillance as like, what if you catch someone naked? Like, what will they do with that video footage or things like that? And I feel like having surveillance collected, I feel like it would also lead to like a bigger loophole. Like, like first they might start by just like watching us, but then slowly might uh, get even worse. I don't know, do you guys have any thoughts on that? So usually that kind of gets coined as a slippery slope fallacy where uh, you know you assume things are just gonna get worse if a uh, precedent is set. But usually whenever these precedents are set, then I mean, the, the slippery slope does end up happening. Um, you know, usually before 9-11, there really wasn't uh, much of a, like a major surveillance in terms of uh, the, the digital media that, that the general population uses from the government's part. But then, you know, with the Patriot Act and all that, uh, and the Protect America Act, uh, the government was really able to use data that was just, you know, used by uh, privatized institutions. But um, see, that's, that's kind of the issue that people don't really know that this data is being collected out of them. You know, so suddenly they just check off this terms and services and uh, terms and conditions, I mean, box. And no one, for the most part, really reads and uh, only the people that write it actually know very thoroughly what is in it. And so people just kind of give away their information if they don't really know what they are or what will be done with it. You know, they just kind of want something that can benefit them and instead end up um, giving away data. So kind of the, the slippery slope fallacy isn't that much of a fallacy. It really does end up, you know, escalating as we've seen. Okay, boys. So, well, yes, it is very debatable what the government should be doing. Some people might be for it. Some people might be against it. What do we think about private companies and big data, I guess, in general? Because they, they're, I guess, in easier target to blame for the whole big brother thing especially if you see like facebook and their whole cambridge analytica stuff and recently actually they've they've um they've been coming out as having had having had pages that had great like influence in certain elections and dictatorial countries and just in state unstable countries and doing absolutely nothing about it because they're too focused on the American elections or I guess bigger fish to fry. Facebook just has a massive amount of information on everyone. So whoever owns that information, I guess, can effectively like get to inside the heads of all those people. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, so I guess since the privatized institutions don't really have the whole separation of power things that, that's going on with the government, it does lead a little bit more into um, maybe fear for the public because there really just is one authority that, that does have control and uh, everyone else is just an employee. But see, in, in the hearings that Mark Zuckerberg has had in the Senate, at least officially, he said that the, the data that's collected, um, like there's not much of a 
there, there's not a, a direct storage on exactly what it is that you're doing. Your data is just being sold to the third parties that give the advertisements. And it's like the way that he described it just overall gave a sort of an attached feeling between the data and uh, who it's from. So maybe it could not be something to worry about to begin with. And, uh, you know, maybe this is just for, for sale to third parties. But then again, at that point, there, there have been instances before, I forgot exactly what the, uh, the issue was, but there was a third party that was just like completely using data in an incorrect way on Facebook. I'm sure one of you can, can mention it because I completely forgot it. But um, Facebook and, and the other um, social media uh, platforms that people typically use don't have control over what third parties do. You know, they can give it to third parties and they can punish the third parties after finding out something happened but before finding out, they really don't have control. Question for you guys, because I don't know this. Um, the data that these big tech companies get, can they, is there like certain data that they can't sell out to other people? Well, I mean, the thing is that effectively anything that you show these big tech companies, they have access to. So it's just under their jurisdiction at that point. Let's say because Google, for example. They have the search engine, so they know kind of what you like. And depending on what you're searching up, they probably have an algorithm to see what's happening on in your life. Uh, so there's that, and then they check your activity, so they know sort of your schedule. And on top of that, then you have Facebook and whatnot. You can they can check what you like, what you don't like, what you're watching, what news you're keeping up with. So then they know sort of like your taste, your interests, and even your political standing. Well, what I mean, Stefano, is by like, if I was to search something up on Google or everything I do on Google, could Facebook come along to Google and say, I want to buy his data? Yes. Everything. Yes. Quite technically, yes. Would they do that? I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure Facebook has their own like, big st stack of data. But yes, it is. It is. Cause the it's their property. Thinking, the situation I'm thinking of here is kind of like where we have like, let's say like a terrorist attack. And the data they they find some malicious data within Google, right? If the gov can the government request that data from Google? The gov this was actually this actually happened a little while, well, not a, a couple years ago. If you guys remember, there was a terrorist who had, I think, he had left an iPhone, and the iPhone was encrypted, of course, and a password. The thing is, the government requested Apple to decrypt it, and Apple trying to be the uh, the high and mighty knight in shining armor said, no, we won't because we value the privacy of our users and whatnot. And then a couple of weeks later, the government just says, okay, cool. We correct it anyway. We don't need you. But again, the fact that they asked, I guess, yes, it shows that the companies could just give it to the government or whoever really that wants it to, to wants to have that information. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not just um, like digital companies either. Like, I'm pretty sure like hospitals also sell like medical records and things like that. Like, I'm pretty sure uh, we all have done like a simple search on a name before and like found their like address, phone number, um, like uh, where like address, phone number, like previous jobs and things like that. So our data is basically out there and. Is there really a way to stop that from happening? Uh, there's actually a very famous example that's commonly brought up. That's um, of this girl in Target, a, a teenage girl who began who 
began looking up on Target like uh, pregnancy products and like diapers and stuff. And Target, using their fancy, fancy algorithm, said, okay, this person must be pregnant. And so they start sending her coupons for like diapers and formula and bottles and whatnot. And so that dad is like, that dad is the one receiving these, these things because it's his mailbox. And he's like, okay, this is ridiculous. Why are you sending this stuff to my daughter? So he goes talk to Target, complains like, this, why are you doing this? Target says, oh, sorry, I guess we were wrong. And then out pops a baby. <laughs> so... Uh, the company knew, the algorithm knew that this guy's daughter was pregnant before the dad. Like that's that's crazy. That's impressive. <laughs> and I suppose we could kind of use this technology um, on a more personal level. Uh, you know, maybe companies could market this to people. Like, oh, find out if you're pregnant or not. Uh, and it probably seems like it's more reliable than uh, some some basic urine tests. Or, or something, you know, maybe artificial intelligence is just going to um, reach that point and check out that episode if you haven't already. But, you know, maybe if we, if we take the same technology that companies are using to gather data on the people, it could actually become a pretty, uh, pretty good market for the public. But then again, those companies having those programs in their hands maybe are not just gonna like let the person have the data privately and maybe they'll still keep that data. So if anything, that could turn into an even, dip, even deeper issue with privatized uh, or um, private information, I mean. So sort of on the whole market thing, I guess it's sort of inev inevitable for there to eventually be a market, especially given the just absolutely excessive amount of information out there especially now with sort of the internet of things and smart home systems and whatnot, like Alexa and, and uh, Apple. I don't, Apple has one. I'm not entirely sure what it's called. So, but yeah, that, that should be a big factor. Yeah, I'm wondering really if, yeah, obviously it's a, it was a money-making proposition by Amazon, Google, and um, Apple to make this HomePod system but looking past that, was it at the same time kind of like a proposition to maybe get more data from people? I actually have an Alexa. Not my choice, but I have an Alexa. And I kid you not. We have, we have the Alexa set up as in English, right? And one day I check, I check the app and it asks, do you speak Spanish? <laughs> Spanish is what we normally speak in our home. And you just asked that out of the blue. No, no, I had a similar experience. I we also have our Alexa programmed in English. And sometimes like my mom will speak to me in Spanish, but we never speak um, Spanish to the Alexa. And this one time we asked Alexa a question in English and it responded in Spanish, which was the oh. funniest thing in the whole world. Yeah, dude, see, the thing is, the program inherently to be able to answer you has to be always listening, right? So like on, on iPhones, for example, the Hey Siri um, activation, my phone, yeah, my phone activated by me saying that. They have to be listening to hear that to begin with. And, you know, maybe intuitively you would assume, oh, they're only going to be listening for that Hey Siri because, you know, that would probably make for the most efficient uh, algorithm. 
but do the companies really just want the most efficient algorithm or do they also want to gain something out of it while minimizing the, I guess, like lag time that would be caused by, by extra code to be retaining uh, the information. So yeah, the, the fact of the matter is they are always listening, you know, justified on the basis that they have to hear the, the Hey Siri or Hey Alexa or anything, but they're just always listening. So at this point is more of a question of convenience versus privacy. And honestly, here we can't really blame the government or anyone who wants to just listen in. It's, it's on the consumer. It's entirely on the consumer. If, because we're the ones paying for it. We're the ones who are effectively giving ourselves up to the, to the system, to the algorithm, so they can just have all of our data. Alexa always listening to you. Like, I heard of stories of like, them just talking about like a product, like a new backpack or an iPhone, but, and then all of a sudden when they get on their computer, they start getting ads for that. Like, so it's kind of crazy. Like, um, like the cookies, like they say, like this site will, um, this site has cookies. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Like, um, the, the specific data uses to provide like specific advertisement and commercials. Yeah. Those are the most distasteful cookies I've ever known. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope your, your Alexa heard that. Alexa starts recommending cookies to Raul. Dude, Alexa <laughs> probably purposefully left that out when sending it back to headquarters. Nah, do you know what I hate? Whenever you like, I have my Alexa right under my TV and like the commercials sometimes will have like, hey Alexa in it and my Alexa will go off. Dumbest thing in the whole world. It's like with my family too. We speak in Portuguese mostly and we say things that vaguely resemble hey Siri and like my phone just goes off. It's, it's really weird. Like they, they pick up on, I mean, that means the algorithm's good, right? Like it's, it's really trying to find things that resemble what it's trying to listen to, but it's weird. I mean, we all have our, we may not know it, like the indicator might not go off, but what if our own personal FBI agent is watching us right now? What if they're listening to you right now through your Alexa? You're probably on a watch list just for listening to this podcast episode. What's it feel like? We do not apologize for any inconveniences made on your life by the FBI by your listening to this episode. After all, you made your own voluntary movement to listen. Hey guys, it's me, Lovin from The Lighthouse. Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast where we talked about big data and mass surveillance. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to message us on Instagram at Lighthouse. See you next week.